Hi, this is Batman, and you're listening to the Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 23, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 167 and X-Men number 104 from January 1977. Welcome to the 23rd episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Datos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and to have some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. Speaking about my friends, joining me this episode are and have been for quite a long time these fellas let's start with delvin the dark web williams hey how's it going good i threw you guys off there didn't i yeah you did i'm not used to be you know going first there you know you kind of hypnotized me go mix it up a little bit i'm gonna say it again you kind of hypnotized it ties me (laughs) it was inspiring delvin no they can't delvin you are hypnotized now (laughs) <laughs> Anytime Pat wants a pipe, you will give it to him. Wrong show. You will also give him brandy. It doesn't matter what show we're on. You will also lose to the bond. <laughs> He's just covering all his bases. When Pat says the words, speaking of, you will be hypnotized. When Pat says the words watercraft, you will see nothing. <laughs> Speaking of watercrafts, let's see how our other friend here is, Jason the Weasel Skull. We will, we will podcast. We're, we're still, still playing? Still liking that Bohemian Rhapsody movie, man. That was an awesome movie. <laughs> how are you doing, episode. That was last episode. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to carry on for a few episodes. How many Queen songs are there? A lot. <laughs> You get the idea. <laughs> well, I still yet to have to go see that movie, but my daughter says that it is a very good movie, and she encouraged me to go see it. So if she's telling me to go see it, it's got to be good. Your daughter has good judgment, good taste in movies. You know, Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> Speaking of apples falling from trees. <laughs> yes. Speaking of apples falling from trees, let's talk to you the other side of the tree from your family. It's Jared, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Bad. A prescription for danger. I'm so happy to be back for yet another episode of Crusader Chronicles. And for some reason, I just wanted to tell the story about the time that I became friends with Delvin. I surprised him by appearing in the back of his car as he was driving to work one day. And I was like, hey, we should be friends. And he was like, cool. No, that's cool. <laughs> get out. Get, get, get the hell out. So it was weird, but I don't know. That seemed appropriate story to tell today. I mean, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That is a strange car ride. Isn't it, though? Like, yeah. You know, you're like, hey, surprise. And then the other guy's like, oh, what's up? You have a long conversation. And he's like, now get out. It's weird. At least he stopped the car and let him out. You know. 
It's interesting. <laughs> I can't believe that we've already gone through a year of comics. We're in January 1977 right now. Wow. Can you guys believe it? I believe it. It's my birth year. Oh. I'm excited. Star Wars is just a few months away. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year with a lot of what's in the collection to get to. So I hope you guys are really jazzed for it. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Let's see them. You can't see me, but I'm doing jazz hands. You do. Let's go ahead and get started with this episode's issues. But before that, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Can you believe it, Jay? Young Justice is back! The Cartoon Network show from five years ago? Uh, No, yeah, that too. I I, I mean the comic book. Oh, cool, a comic book based off the Cartoon Network show? No, yeah, I mean that too, but but not that. The 1998 Peter David run? No, yeah, kind of, I mean, this is going to get confusing. Wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to say that there's a brand new comic book series written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Patrick Gleason, along with a new season of the animated show on the DC Universe streaming app and a digital first comic that fills in the gaps between seasons two and three? Yes. I mean, yes. Sounds like we need a podcast to keep all this straight. (laughs) That's what I've been trying to say. Well, say it. The new podcast, Everyone Loves Young Justice, will spin out of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake as a sister podcast following the adventures of Tim Drake and his new team, Young Justice, with members like Superboy, Impulse, Wonder Girl, Arrowette, a Red Tornado, the Justice Cave, Miss Martian, Blue Beetle, Shazam, the Super Cycle, Jitty Hex, Team Lantern, Jay, Jay! What? <laughs> One thing at a time, man. Oh, th- sorry. We will start right where it all began in the pages of the 1998 Peter David run. And we will alternate between that and the new Brian Michael Bendis 2019 run. While also discussing the DC Universe animated series and tie-in comics. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcast network. We can be found there or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're going to cover all aspects of Young Justice. Man, I love Young Justice. I know. Everyone does. Oh, I get it. (sighs) Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. And that is Amazing Spider-Man number 167. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Got a publisher is Marvel. Cover date of April 1977. But it was on sale date of January 11th, 1977. Got a cover price of 30 cents. So we're still in the 30 cents. I'm wondering how long that's going to be. You'll know when it says still only 30 cents. I wonder how long it will be. We'll find out. I'm looking forward to that. Still 30 cents. We got the editor is Len Wein and writer is Len Wein. So the, the double combo there that we have been enjoying on this venture with Spidey so far. We have penciler Ross Andrew and everybody's favorite inker Mike Letterer is Joseph Colorist The color me bad colorist is Lennis Ween. You can follow along with us in the reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 8 trade paperback or also on Marvel Unlimited. And we hope you do so you can come along on this journey with us. Cover credits go to John Romita. Speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get some thoughts on that. But before we do, let's get some cover descriptions by Jared. Can do. The Marvel Comics Group banner is in black letters on a red background and Spidey stands in his corner box, which has a green 
green background. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is yellow with red highlights with the webs. The main action on the cover is bifurcated. Yeah, that's right. Bifurcated. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to tell you, Pat. By a classic Spidey in mid-swing pose. The vignette, that's right, vignette on the left depicts the latest version of the Spider Slayer, commanded by J. Jonah Jameson, attacking Spider-Man under a text box proclaiming caught between the murdering might of the Spider Slayer. The starboard portion of the cover shows Spidey being choked out in midair by a mysterious glowing character, and the text box over this portion finishes the left's thought with, and the startling power of Marvel's most shocking new superstar. Superstar, your mileage may vary. Finally, there is a blurb at the bottom proclaiming, looks like it's gonna be one of those days. Back to you, Pat. Very good, Jared. I still don't know what you kind of said there with the... Bifurcated? Yes. <laughs> Split down the middle, Pat. Ah, you use big words. I was expecting I, I them was, from Jason. Yeah, I was trying to be like Jason on that, right? Uh, That's why I went with vignette and bifurcated mm-hmm. and starboard. I know what starboard means, yeah. <laughs> those are those little candies that you get? It's, uh, starboard, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it. That's it. Starboard yeah. candies. <laughs> I love them. What's your favorite color? I like yeah. the red ones. I like the red ones a lot, too, but I think I'd go for orange. Ooh. Delvin, you said pink? Yes. I'm Jared? Delvin. I'm Delvin Team Pink. Pink's not bad, too. I like them all. I used to like them all, you know. Oh, well. <laughs> Just another thing that we had to sacrifice. Yeah. But let's go ahead and get some quick thoughts on this cover. And we're going to start with Jason. I like the cover. I thought the main thing that attracted me to it was the Spider-Man pose. I thought it, that was really unique and it was a cool action photo. Things I kind of disliked from it were the two villains. I still think that the Spider-Slayer robot looks kind of silly. I wasn't sure who the other character was until I was reading the book. I think a good action spider pose, but with some lame villains. So those are my thoughts. Delvin? It's a good one. I like the action spidey in the middle the most. So I'm in agreement with Jason. Also in agreement with Jason, it might mean neither other of the main characters of the book are exciting enough to warrant a solo cover. So they kind of had to put Spidey and him by himself in action in the middle. But you know, you got to do what you got to do to sell. So pretty good cover. Jared? Jared. I think Delvin hit the nail right on the head. The two additional characters are not exciting. So you throw that cool Spidey pose in there to bifurcate the cover. And there <laughs> you have it. So, yeah, Delvin nailed it. I have nothing further to add. What about you, Pat? I kind of agree with Jason. You know, that robot, Spider Slayer robot. I mean, come on. I don't know. And then this new guy coming up. I don't I don't know who that guy is. And when I read it, I don't even think I know who that guy is later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. I do like Spidey in the bifurcated middle. <laughs> there. But I don't know why they had to have them, you know, in the other two. So lots of Spidey on this. There's like four Spideys on this cover. <laughs> there are four Spideys on the cover. Mm-hmm. Today's word is bifurcated. <laughs> I'm really bifurcated about that. Oh, I guess that doesn't make sense. It works. It works. You're split down the middle. Yeah, I guess I am. So otherwise, it's a fine cover. Art on it is very good and the colors as well. That's one thing that kind of stands out to me is the colors used. So there's a lot of action going on on this cover. Speaking about action, let's go ahead and get to some cover ratings. Just a reminder for those of you who are first tuning in or have been tuning in for the last 22 episodes, we can do a one through five rating on the cover. One, is it ruffled your tummy feathers? Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, you really liked it. And five, it tickled your tummy feathers. Let's find out what it did for each of our hosts. Jason? I'm going to give it a three. Delvin? Also a three. Jared? Three. Pat, does this mean we have... I'm going to give it a three, too. A three d rainbow. A 3 rainbow. Mediocrity in the sky. <laughs> 
That Spidey in the Middle by Romita is excellent, but yeah, the rest of it's just kind of meh. Yeah. I mean, his art's good, but... Oh, yeah, the art's good. It's the just... character designs in general aren't great. Yeah. No. I don't know, just that robot with the face of Jonah on there, just roller skate wheels. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I don't even notice the tank tread. No. Roller skate. Oh, yeah, we can get to it. Yeah. Roller skate, you got a brand new <laughs> I got a brand new Spider Slayer with Spider Man. Well, I think we're. Let's go ahead and get to this <laughs> and see where it all shakes out at the end. Delvin, go ahead and give us the synopsis. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys, look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look, overhead, hey there, there goes a Spider-Man. In the chill of night, at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Stalked by the Spider Slayer. Besides the Marla Madison made Spider Slayer, the other guest star in this issue of Amazing Spider Man is Willow the Wisp. Willow would be the perfect movie reference to use for the synopsis, right? Well, I've never watched it. Then I, I, I thought Tom Cruise was in it, and I was like, what? Tom Cruise movie references. But Val Kilmer was in Willow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still doing Tom Cruise. Okay, fair enough. There we go. The issue starts with Jameson trying out his newly funded Spider Slayer, aiming at PowerPoint slides of Spidey like he's Top Gun or something, which he controls with some helmet like something out of Minority Report. Next scene, Will of the Wisp makes his appearance, flashing his powers by starting as an energy ball, Ghost Protocol, then hypnotizing a truck driver, leaving the guy's eyes wide shut and getting away with a theft. Next scene, Pete and Mary Jane watch Aunt May get her Norma Ray on, protesting a rent increase. Aunt May is old, like a <clears throat> rock of ages. I'm not proud. When Pete's spidey sense goes off, he notices an ominous figure, ditches Mary Jane, changes into a spidey digs in an abandoned tenement, and falls right into the clutches of the spidey slayer. The damage that's caused? Collateral. <laughs> Spotty escapes. <laughs> Brief cameo with Harry, Flash, Liz Osborne, and Harry's creepy as heck shrink, Barton Hamilton, whose transformation of Harry was night and day. Anyway, Flash seems to be having personal issues, too. Back to Spidey, he goes to Robbie Robertson's home. Robbie is a minority reporter. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed when I wrote that. <laughs> uh, 
He also tells Spidey Jonah has been talking about some envelope in his desk. Spidey goes and gets the envelope from the bugle, which was some risky business. Leaving the bugle, Spidey sees a weird ball of light shining like a magnolia and decides to follow. Spidey catches Willow in the act of stealing an envelope for a mysterious guy. Spidey attacks him. Not surprisingly, Willow knocks him into oblivion or out of a window. Either one. (laughs) Willow saves Spidey, but Spidey drops his envelope in the process, which Willow confuses for the envelope that he stole. Willow uses his hypno thing to free Spidey in his tracks. To make matters worse, the Jonah Spider Slayer finds him at this very moment. Show me the money! I don't don't know what to say after that. (laughs) I guess we should just close this out by playing taps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Delvin, you continue to up your game here. (laughs) Y'all keep enjoying them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, with that, I think it's time to get to the bric-a-brac of this issue. Let's go ahead and see if this is a first read or a reread. It's going to be a first read for me, Jason. First read for me as well, Delvin. It's a first read for me. Oh, cue the music. Jared? Something, something, Days of Thunder. It's my first read! (laughs) 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 Woo-hoo! We got a reading rainbow. Reading rainbow! All right, awesome. Woo! We continue to get the rainbow. I love it. Not sure for how much longer. Yeah. Well, rainbows don't last forever, Jared. Yeah. Oh, well. Enjoy my while we got them, guys. Enjoy my while we got them. Let's get to some highs and lows for this issue. We're just going to go through a rotation. So I want you guys to give me a high or low. It's up to you. And then we'll move on to the next person and so on and so on. We'll do a couple rounds with this way. So let's go ahead and start with Delvin. High or low from you? I'll start with a high. My goodness. There was a whole lot covered in this issue and it didn't feel rough. So kudos to Lynn for that. Let's go with Jason. There's a lot of heart in this issue. I enjoyed Aunt May becoming woke, as the kids say, and and (laughs) protesting for the rent control. That was interesting. We see how things in the 70s kind of mirror. We're facing some of the same issues like in Seattle, out here where I live today. So I thought that was fun. And I thought Mary Jane's reaction was pretty funny, too. So I enjoyed that little bit. What about you, Jared? A high would be that I'm interested in what's going on with Flash, because I don't know, but something's going on there. Me neither. No idea. I'm intrigued. Anytime a book intrigues me, that's a high. Yeah. What do you think, Pat? Well, I kind of agree with you on kind of what's going on with Flash. I also, I don't want want to know, why is Harry's psychologist name in bold? It's like somebody you need to remember. Yeah, something's up with that dude. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he is someone you're going to want to remember. I mean, look at the dude. Doesn't he look like a bad guy? He does. He does. Something smelled rotten with him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he looks creepy AF fellas. Creepy <laughs> AF. As Delvin mentioned too, that this was a pretty decent storytelling throughout the book. So, and there was a lot of like Flash and like the creepy psych guy or whatever. Just some different story being laid down and you're wondering, okay, what's going to go on now? What's going to happen? So I like that. Well, let's go ahead and get another high or low from Jason. Well, let's talk about that spider slayer for a moment, shall we? <laughs> 
Okay, I will admit, it looks absolutely ridiculous. And J. Jonah Jameson operating it makes it look even more ridiculous. But I have to admit, it's a pretty good design as far as functionality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They thought of a lot of things. Yes. So aesthetically, Dr. Madison gets an F. But as for functionality, I got to give her a solid B. I mean, it's electrically charged to dissolve the webbing, super strength, even got little cutter things in it. I think that as far as its ability to take on Spider-Man, there's a menace there. So I'll just throw that out. And that's as far as I'm going to defend. Give Marlon A plus there for a molecular biologist coming up with this. I know. <laughs> How she designed a robot, we'll never know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess she was, maybe she's taking courses in the evening. I have no idea. <laughs> they got everything in the front. So somebody can just come around in the back and just kick them over or something. Story of my life, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I don't, you know, and then you got these roller skate or these tracks feet. It's like, can you actually walk or do you have to roll everywhere? Yeah, uh, it would kind of um, reduce that lateral movement. So, yeah, I mean, it's very much like a um, mobile tank for yeah. lack of, it's not a great description, but yeah. What was those little armor things that Cobra had in G.I. Joe? The, was it the claw or his something? His suits. Is that right, Pat? The his suits? The, the claw, white. yeah. Was it claws? The claws. The his was the high-speed sentry. Those right, were right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. The t- claws were the white yeah, that's armor right. thing. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. have hands on their feet. They didn't. They would walk. Anyway, it kind of reminded me that a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. It is what it is for the, you know, 1977. It's okay. It's, no, it's maybe, not maybe okay. it's the face. Maybe it's the top of the face. <laughs> it's like, come on. We had Micronauts. Transformers were right around the corner. They couldn't come up with something better than this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll take a low here. Objectively speaking, J. Jonah Jameson should be hella arrested. Yes. He spent millions of dollars and caused property damage all over the city for a ridiculous vendetta. There is no practical reason for it. Like, okay, story-wise, he has his envelope that he hasn't revealed that he is sure that's going to end Spidey once and for all. And in order to put all the ducks in a row, he wants to be the person to catch Spidey and then put him with this evidence that is going to just end Spidey once and for all. That's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for him to do that, he spent millions of dollars coming up with this, you know, mobile tank thing to bring Spidey in himself. And this is some megalomaniacal. Huh. It's a lot. Like, you have to hate somebody. Like, I mean, they said he hated Spidey, but this is a plan and a half and a half. Crazy. And he's got his face all over it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too, because he's like, if I'm reading it right, he's just like controlling it from a remote location, right? He's not physically in that suit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something else that Marla came up with. The psycho cybernetic helmet. Which is kind of cool. I can get behind that. But why would you plaster your face on that? I don't. You would think. I guess you want Spider-Man to see that it's him, but... Yeah, you think you want some plausible deniability there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Peter knows it, too. He's like, oh, you know, it's you, Jonah. And he I mean, doesn't even take it seriously. He's no, he like, doesn't. Well, he's got to get paid, so, you know, yeah, you can't really harm him too bad, otherwise he's not going to get a paycheck. But you would think after, okay, you just tried to take out Spider-Man, and like you guys said, you're taking out all this other stuff, and nobody's going after Jonah to say, hey... No, he's like demolishing buildings and everything. I mean... This is, come on, man. Yeah. Jared, you there, buddy? I'm here. Say something. Uh, Spider Slayer <laughs> is super, super awesome when you compare it to Will of the Wisp, who is super, super not <laughs> awesome. 
I feel about Will, will with the way that I, Delvin feels about Stegron. <laughs> I don't know anything about Will of the Wisp. This is the first time I saw him. And to be honest, I mean, I was kind of interested. I'm wondering, because he seems like he's not a bad guy, not at heart. So what's yeah. motivated to do these things? I believe this is the debut. And so I, I will go like to my last high slash low-ish. I think Willow is a decent enough character and he has a decent enough power set and he never caught on. Right now, we're in the age of, look at some of the superheroes, like right now, in the year of our, our Lord, Stanley, 2018, that were kind of afterthoughts, but now they are mega there are A-list characters, Guardians of the Galaxy, number one, right? Yeah, like with, with Star-Lord, you have Iron Man. Iron Man was a B-level character, and he is without a doubt A++ now. Black Panther, Luke Cage, all of those, Middle Will of the Wisp, never <laughs> has caught on. You've never heard about any creator that's like, man, you know, I got this Will of the Wisp script. <laughs> I just got to get a hold of that Will of the Wisp, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my whole goal was to make it big, to come out with my indie stuff first, you know, do some inking and stuff, and then, like, bam, Willow script is going to set the world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is anybody doing anything with Will of the Wisp? <laughs> no. At the writer's meeting. <laughs> Who's that? I don't mind, man. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> He never caught on at all. He'll make an appearance every now and again. Sometimes they prop him up as kind of bad guy. Sometimes they prop him up as that misguided person who's doing wrong, but for the right reasons. But after that, he is quickly discarded and not thought of again. I think that the last time I saw Willow the Wisp was Brian Michael Bendis used him. He kicked the new Ironheart, the new female Iron Man. Uh-huh. She wasn't prepared and he kicked her butt and that was about it. Sad day right there. Right? He kind of did that to Spider-Man here. He absolutely yeah. did that to Spider-Man. Spider-Man got what was coming to him too. <laughs> Hey, I caught you in an act. I have no reason to attack you, and I followed you for no reason, but I'm going to attack you. And he caught a whooping, too. <laughs> yeah, he sure did. Well, the spirit was willing. That was weird how aggressive Spidey was. And the guy was like, please, Spider-Man, I mean you no harm. Spider-Man was like, let's get it on! <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, man. You relax. I'm going to ruffle some tummy feathers. <laughs> going back to a couple episodes ago, he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, only that was more like a Randy the Macho Man Savage style. <laughs> off the top ring, he's like off the top rope. I'm going to body slam and give you the Macho Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was not sure on this guy. I didn't know. I've never heard of him. So, Delvin, thank you for that more information here that he will show up here and there. And eh, it's kind of an interesting character, but I'm interested more on who's controlling him or who's telling him to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm worried about him for our reading Rainbow purposes because I know like one of my oldest issues of Spidey is a Will-O-The-Wisp. And I was like, oh, man, uh -huh. are we coming up on where I was at? <laughs> Give Lynn credit, right? Well, Stegron wasn't new, but, you know, he brought a Stegron and, you know, he's coming up with a will-o'-the-wisp so jigsaw and so he's mm -hmm. come up yeah. with some yeah. uh, bad guys for spidey to fight that were new in his own creation which we've already kind of discussed he was doing everything at this point so kudos to lynn for giving it a good old college try there yeah well does anybody have any other thoughts on this issue i'll fight you <laughs> <laughs> All tapped out, sir. Jared, did you have anything besides no. fighting words? No, I, I guess I went early, but yeah, 
I think we covered everything else pretty well. Pretty intrigued yeah. about what's going on in the envelope. Pretty intrigued with what's going on with Flash. So the intrigue is high. The villains I'm, are, eh, not great, but. I want to know, is Aunt May's petition there, is that going to work out for her? Mm. Well, it should be interesting to find out. And the only other thing I have in my notes is MJ wanted to go for the, some of that cream-filled donuts, but Peter didn't want to take her there. <laughs> she wants <clears throat> delicious cream filling. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Peter, sometimes you got to eat the filling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lesson in life. Let's go ahead and find out what the silly Spidey moment is for everybody. We're going to start with Jared. You know, I alluded to it in the opener, but I got a big kick out of Mercurial Joe Robertson. When <laughs> Spidey shows up in the back <laughs> of his car, Spidey shows up. They have like a one, two, three, four, like five panel conversation. Hey, what's up, Spidey? In the back of my car. Yeah, let's talk about this and tell me that. And then at the very end, he's like, I don't appreciate you being in my car. Don't you show up at my home ever again get out i was like what like shouldn't you have led with that but just, that, that was really weird it just made me laugh so that's it robbie wasn't playing was he he wasn't but like <laughs> like i guess it took a little while to screw up his courage to have that conversation like not not who's there get out <laughs> yeah, that's it for me. I'm interested to hear Jason. My favorite was on content page six when they encounter Aunt May at the protest and they refer to her as a gray panther. And as MJ, <laughs> as MJ walks away, she gives her the right on. Yeah. <laughs> You go, right. girl. I thought that was funny. What do you think, Pat? When the guys are in the truck and they are really talking bad about Rosie's coffee. <laughs> that was funny. I had that as an alternate. If, if Oh, ah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that somebody <laughs> confirms me on that. I kind of thought that was funny. She makes a great cup of embalming fluid, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Delvin, yours? Page two of the comic book. I just found it very amusing that J. Jonah Jameson was like <laughs> completely getting off on shooting the PowerPoint slides of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in my notes here. Where did Marla get the Spidey slides from? Yeah, they look like they could have been pictures from the Bugle, maybe. You know, who knows? But uh, it, it was definitely just funny. You know, even she said, you know, I've run out of different slides to project anyway. Like, any people, pew, 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 screw you, Spidey, pew, pew. No, don't hit me. Yes, I am going to hit you. Pew, 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 pew. I like how she charged him for the damage to the wall, though, too. That was... <laughs> Marla didn't let him get away with anything. No, she does not. You would think like a power dominant person like Jay Jonah, maybe he likes a woman who, you know, keeps him in line like that. Never know. I was kind of thinking this, they might be on the path to romance. This is going to be a messed up romance, but in a way, in a way, these two seem made for one another. Maybe. Never know. Mm, I'm curious now. Yeah, see, more of that plot, those little story plots moving on forward and moving forward. Very I interesting. Think Delvin knows. <laughs> <laughs> I know Maybe. that Delvin knows. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get to some ratings for this issue. Just as a reminder, this is a one through five rating. One, it ruffled your tummy feathers. Two, you didn't like it. Three, you liked it. Four, you really liked it. And five, it tickled your tummy feathers. So let's see what it did for Delvin. I put three of five. It's close to four. Maybe I can be convinced. Oh, so you're waiting on somebody to convince you. I'm going to hold at a three for now. But maybe, you know, the passion of my other crusaders could bump me to a four. 
for. Let's see. Let's move on to, to Jared. Jared, what do you think? I don't think I'm going to be bumping you. The intrigue really had me pushing towards the four. I like a lot of intrigue, but man, the Willow of the Wisp is a boat anchor for me, so I had to drop <laughs> it down to a three. I just never liked that character. Usually I find something redeemable in almost any character, but every time I see Willow of the Wisp, I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> So I don't know what it is about him. Doesn't do it for me. So I'm at a three. What do you think, Jason? I put it as a four. Will of the Wisp for me, I'm coming at it with a cleansed palette. I like how they introduce the character. There's a lot of mystery. I'm still trying to figure out what's his motivation. He looks like, obviously, he's a physical threat to Spider-Man. I thought that there was a lot of humor in the book. We talked a lot about that. There's also, Delvin alluded to this, just a lot of things that were going on. Kind of got ant May's rent control world, the questions about Will of the Wisp. I liked how Robbie drew some lines with Spider-Man, even if it was kind of the timing was a little weird. There just was a lot of things I really liked about the book. And I'll be perfectly honest with the Spider Slayer outfit. I ignored the picture and just like pictured a way cooler outfit in my mind and enjoyed the book a lot better. Other than that, I like Ross's art. One panel that I really liked was the cathedral on page. Yeah, that was a good picture noted yeah this was just like he took scenes from new york city and then just kind of put a little spider-man on there and so again that really kind of pulls me into that world i like that an awful lot so all those things put together led me to a four what'd you think pat i don't think i'm gonna go as high as a four but you do say a lot of good things to consider as far as the art goes it was a pretty well-drawn book i enjoyed it i like the different stories that are going on this issue was kind of a build issue i guess where you have a lot of different stories. You got Aunt May, you got Peter and Mary Jane. Not much really going on with Peter, Mary and Jane, but you have the Flash going on and you have the psychologist or guy, you know, just a lot of different things. I like your idea. If I would have known to picture a better Spider Slayer, then that would have been something better, I think. But I'm going to go with the three. So it's going to be three against one. I don't think we convinced Delvin out of that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jason, you did have a lot of passion, though, dude. I mean, and, and that's awesome. Man, it was very close to a four for me. I I read this walking at the gym on my phone, which is oh, not an easy thing to do. And yeah, I just ooh. and I just remember thinking, man, this book is dense. It's taking a while to get through. Yeah, um, it was. It was a dense and, read. And not in a bad way. There was just a ton that Lynn put in this book. And that more than anything impressed me. He laid groundwork for future issues. Mm-hmm. He advanced the main storyline. There was a little bit of coincidence that it took to pull everything together. But you know what? That's a story. So that happens. So it was close. I'll keep it at three, but it was very close. I'm going to say, you know what, Delvin, you mentioned that laying the groundwork and all that. And I think what made this book really good was that it wasn't lingering on in each different section. It was pretty well paced. Yeah, yeah, it was Mm -hmm. in and out, in and out. Yeah, definitely uh, keeps me interested and looking forward to the next issue. So with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter or Facebook page. We'll be right back. What is Council of Geeks? Well, despite the name, it's actually just one kind of pretentious guy on YouTube who rants at camera a lot and just goes on and on about things like Doctor Who and Marvel movies and Star Wars. And I meant once the Council of Geeks podcast feed Oh, that. Well, it kind of depends on when it is you're looking at it. 
what does that mean? Well, it's been a lot of things at a lot of different times. Originally, it was just longer versions of roundtable talks that uh, the guy who runs the thing used to have. It was the home of 90s Comics Retrial for a while. Oh, I liked that show. Yeah, but, you know, then he did Executioner's Song and it broke him, so he doesn't do that anymore either. Oh. There was Go Home Hollywood, You're Drunk. Winner of the Relatively Geeky Networks Award for Best New Podcast in 2017. Yep, that's the one. That's over too. His co-host had a kid and, well, he didn't bother ever trying to find somebody else. Oh. So what is it now? Well, at the moment, it is home to see a space cowboy, where he is just going back through Cowboy Bebop and uh, taking it one episode at a time, putting his thoughts up after not having seen the thing in about 15 years. Okay. Well, what will it be after he's done with that? Stick around, and maybe you'll find out what's next. Or catch up on the old stuff. It's still there. This is a very strange promotion. Yeah, well, he's a strange guy. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, X-Men number 104. Credits again come from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Got a publisher is Marvel. Cover date of April 1977 with an on-sale date of January 18th, 1977. Cover price of just 30 cents. Editor was Archie Goodwin. Writer Chris S. Lamrant. Esquire. Penciler Dave Cockrum. Inker Sam Granger. Letterer is Bruce D. Patterson. And Colorist is Andy Yankus. Yankus? I go Yankus. Yankus, okay. We're going to go Yankus. So there someone corrects us. <laughs> Yankus? They don't even Yank- know us. <laughs> Yankus, I won. Oh, that's Yahtzee. It's Yahtzee. Uh, you can't Yankus my cock room. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on here, if you want to follow along with us uh, and read along with us, you can by the many different means, and here they are. It's been reprinted in Classic X-Men number 12 from 1987. Marvel Masterworks Volume 12, Uncanny X-Men Volume 2 hardcover as well. Essential X-Men Volume 1 trade paperback. Magneto Ascendant number 1 from 1999. Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1. And also you can find it on Marvel Unlimited. Cover credits go to Dave Cockrum. Let's go ahead and get a cover description by Jared. Here we have the Marvel Comics Group banner with black letters on a green background. The X-Men logo is just that. X-Men. Not all new or all different, nor is it uncanny. It's just X-Men. Red letters with light blue highlights. A green corner box houses the decapitated heads of... And I got inspired by Delvin's audience participation last time. So I want your best sound effect for each of these characters as I read them off. Pat, give me a banshee. (laughs) All right, Delvin Colossus. Jason Storm. Hey. Hey, baby. <laughs> Love Sorry. it. Oh, yeah. Back to the rotation, Pat Wolverine. <laughs> snick, snick. <laughs> it sounded like Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Delvin Cyclops. You guys shouldn't really do that. That's that's not appropriate. I'm a leader. You should come to me. <laughs> Buzzkill. <laughs> Oh, Jason gets to bring us home with an easy one, Nightcrawler. (laughs) All right. Well played, everyone. The main action has Magneto protected by a magnetic force field that can apparently deflect anything. More on that later in the bottom left. As he is fighting off the combined forces of Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Cyclops, and Wolverine, a cover box boldly states, it had to happen. The new X-Men against Magneto, Earth's most powerful supervillain. Back to you, Pat. Thanks a lot for that fun description. You guys did a great job, Delvin. (laughs) 
<laughs> Delvin wins. <laughs> yep, Delvin wins. He went. Y'all need to grow up. Focus. Delvin went the extra mile. Back to the danger room. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts on this. And let's start with Jason. I love this cover. I love the colors. I love the action. They somehow managed to get five of the X-Men into the cover in a way that doesn't make it look too crowded. I love Magneto in the foreground. The look of sheer will on his face as he's withstanding the onslaught of all the X-Men and just the facial expressions of all the X-Men as they go into battle against Magneto. This is uh, one of the iconic covers, in my humble opinion. Oh, my. I will pass it to you, Delvin. What do you think? I was about to start reading it. It's a good one. And I, I like the action, you know, Spidey in the middle the most. But that got to flip the page. Flip your page. Flip the page. <laughs> flip it. It does the job. I thought it was interesting that they opted for Cyclops and not Banshee on the cover. And since there was no background, it kind of indicated that it was a rush. Not a bad cover by any means. Just I don't share uh, Jason's uh, overwhelming uh, enthusiasm about it, unfortunately. Jared. Jason will have to remain on that island because I'm with you on that. The background not being there at all, I could deal with that. I'm not wild about the color scheme that they picked for the background. Just something about it doesn't pop for me. Cockrum is a genius artist, but I've said this before and I will maintain this. I really think he needs an anchor. I think he's great, but I think an anchor would really bring that to the next level. So something about it just felt a little flat, although I will fully admit it's got a really sort of iconic feel the first time the new X-Men are fighting Magneto. That's got to be awesome. There's a lot to like about it, but still I just kind of wish he hadn't inked himself. What do you got, Pat? Uh, I do agree with you guys as well. Uh, very iconic-y looking cover. I like how all the X-Men are kind of coming in and, and attack. One thing I don't know is, why is there like a ring for uh, Nightcrawler? <laughs> I knew somebody's going to bring up the gosh darn ring. <laughs> His tail is wrapped around like he's kind of swinging on that. Like, where is that coming from? What's going on here? We got no background at all except for the ring. Yeah. We can assume that they are now in some sort of a gym area. <laughs> yeah, something going on. Or they're maybe outside on the playground and they say, hey, let's go get them. But otherwise, yeah, it's, you know, Magneto on the front like that. Collapses blasting him. Color-wise, as far as the color of the character goes, I think that's very good. I am kind of complexed with the three shades of color of yellow all the way to dark orange from the top to the bottom of the background. But other than that, it's an all right cover for me. Let's go ahead and get to some cover ratings. We're going to rate this cover one through five as well. One is you hated it, two you didn't like it, three you liked it, four you really liked it, and five you loved it. So let's go ahead and figure out, Jared, what are you going to rate this cover? I'm going to give it a four. It's a nice moment, and again, Cochran the man. He said, just wish he had an anchor. Maybe an anchor could have picked up some background work and taken this to a five, but I'm sticking with four. Delvin? I give it a three. Good cover. <gasps> you okay? I'm just kidding. I don't really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Get Jared some water. I just wanted to like there to be drama on the show for the listeners. <laughs> 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 there might be. I haven't heard from Jason yet. Jason might be. We might have to. Son of a. <laughs> like I, I just got I'm a. I'm on my way to the airport right now. I, I got a we, text from Jason. It's kind of a pacey preacher. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the? <laughs> so yeah, three from me, Jason. This one's a five. This is going up on my wall. This got five of the main X Men fighting their greatest villain. The action poses are great. The details great. It doesn't have a background because it doesn't need a background colors are vibrant this pops five all the way good for jason he likes that ring from nightcrawler (laughs) enough about the ring (laughs) (laughs) well i'm gonna give it a four i really liked it it's not as much as jason did but that's okay that's that's okay with you i don't know if it's okay with jason (laughs) it's not okay 
you all need to reevaluate your lives. <laughs> uh, I think we just did. <laughs> so thanks a lot for being here, Jason. This <laughs> <laughs> last episode. Yep. No. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that we got a five, two fours, and a three. So we were all not either just going between two numbers here. So very good. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get to the synopsis of this issue. Brought to you by Jason. Cyclops. Storm. Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents The Uncanny X-Men. gimmicks here so i just gotta have to read this out uh, the synopsis is horse <laughs> <laughs> all right the title is the gentleman's name is magneto when we last left our heroes they had defeated the combined might of juggernaut and black tom cassidy at cassidy keep we pick up our story with banshee colossus storm wolverine and nightcrawler trying to rent a hovercraft to travel to moira mctaggart's mutant research island while the anti-mutant sea captain is reluctant to rent out his craft colossus shall we say persuades the man to honor his contract and the mutants are off to their next adventure the journey in the north atlantic is cut short however when their craft is mysteriously torn apart and our gang is tossed unceremoniously into the sea. After swimming to the mutant isle, the team is attacked once again and soon discovers that their assailant is none other than the master of magnetism himself, Magneto. A brief interlude has Cyclops arriving to the isle on the X-Jet with Moira. They come upon an unconscious multiple man who reveals that Eric the Red is behind the master plan. When Cyclops discovers that the X-Men are engaged in battle with Magneto, he runs off to render aid. Back at the scene of the chaos, things are not going well for our heroes. Magneto is at the peak of his power and systematically defeats each of the X-Men who has never fought him before. After several courageous but futile attempts to fight him, Magneto is on the verge of victory when Cyclops joins the fray. Momentarily stunning the villainous mutant with a surprise optic blast, Cyclops recovers his team and escapes to fly back to New York where he suspects Charles Xavier is in grave 
danger. In the book's closing scenes, we see Magneto reveling in his victory, unknowingly passed by a door that warns of the imminent escape of Mutant X. We see the arrival of the mysterious alien and Professor X's dreams arrive in Earth's orbit, and the imminent attack on the Professor, Jean Grey, and Jean's parents by Eric the Red, Havoc, Polaris, and an unknown villain. Who is the unknown villain? Will the X-Men arrive in time to save Professor Xavier and Jean? Who is Mutant X? Will Delvin remember that a hovercraft was in the comic? Nope. Find out all this and more next episode. Thank you, Jason, for that awesome recap. Let's go ahead and get to the bric-a-brac of this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? It's a first read for me, Jason. Uh, it's a reread for me. Delvin. It's a first read for me. Jared. It is a first read for me, although I did not recognize any of the Tom Cruise movies Jason used in his recap. <laughs> well, they're all B-rated movies. <laughs> but, yep, Jason ruined another rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, stupid literacy. <laughs> Well, let's get to some highs and lows. We're going to start with Jared. Got a high or low for this one? Oh, man. I am just made of questions about this one. So I don't even know where to begin. I could probably do this entire segment by myself. Let's just... Magneto was a baby and then he was a man? I What? I don't... I'm, I'm not a baby. I'm a man. It's <laughs> like, wait, what? What the Hades is going on here? Like, obviously, I've missed some things. I- I've got so many questions. I'm just with that. Does anybody know what's going on here? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> listen, let's just knock these out. He's he's a baby. I still don't know who Eric the Red is. What the hell is up with Jamie Matrix's weird-ass costume? Who's the black chick at the very end with Professor X? Who are these people flying through space? Why do they only get two panels? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, I, so are those highs or are those lows? I don't know. How does a magnetic field I, stop a lightning bolt and then fling it back at you? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what happened with and, Professor Eck. And apparently we got to go back. What was it like in what? the Defenders or something? They said that it that like happened? A, or? Like a weird. So, uh, yeah, in Defenders 16, it, there was a footnote in there. Back in Defenders 16. So uh, I guess we need to do our homework and go read Defenders 16. Or just accept it like we do everything else. And that's what I can't believe, Jared, is you just can't accept this. You accept Stagron. <laughs> right. This is a good point, Jared. I just, there was, I can take a little of this. This is filled with a lot of, I mean, the last, okay, I'll boil this down. I'll give it a low. The last page, they crammed nine stories into, into the last <laughs> page. And I'm like, what? I, wait, here's, here's two panels of Star Chambers. Here's three panels of, I think that's Alondra or something like that. And here's two panels. And, and seriously, who's the black chick hanging out with Professor X? Who is that? No idea. No clue. Seriously. I don't know who that is. I don't know. It's Storm <laughs> Sister, Tempest. Hell yes. <laughs> I'm not complaining, but uh, I made a question, so I'm sorry. Yeah. So, oh, that's all right. <laughs> Pass the baton. Somebody. Delvin, you asked for it, you got it. You know what? I'll keep along your theme. I felt like I was dropped in mid-story arc. Mm-hmm. And no, no, can I stop you right there? When you say you were dropped in mid-story arc, is it because of that beginning? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, they're on the dock. It's like, hey, what yeah. just happened here? I had to check to see. 
I thought I, I missed did something too. too. I okay. did too. I double checked. I was like, wait a minute. Did I pick the wrong issue that we're supposed to be reading? I'm like, oh, nope. This is the right one. Like, whoa. Okay. How did they get to the dock? When did Moira book yeah, a hydrofoil for the them? Or what? I know. Yeah. When did Moira book that? Like, when were they supposed to go out to examine her facility that Cyclops was upset about? Like, none of that was set up. So, yeah, I never fully caught up with this issue. It felt like I was catching up to every everything mm-hmm. the entire issue and that felt very very weird i could only imagine you know this book was bi-monthly at the time that you pick this book up after two months and you're like all right this is definitely issue 104 like wait what what's going on particularly if this is the only comic you get mm-hmm. what if you've never heard of the defenders but the only book you got was x-men you would be confused as all get out so that kind of threw me for a bit. I honestly wondered if it was like an annual that came out or something. I was just like, whoa. You know, so many questions. Me too, dude. Jason, you want to take this opportunity to play some cleanup? Now, to be quite honest, when I started reading it, I felt kind of the same way. I was like, wait a second. Are we... <laughs> Did I miss an issue? Or was there an annual or something? It was a filler here. And, and I had to look back myself. I guess it kind of made sense. I mean, Moira's got a mutant island off the coast of Ireland and Cassidy Keep is in Ireland, so it made some sort of sense. It felt rushed, obviously. In retrospect, having something as significant as Magneto being reverted back to a baby, that seems pretty significant for an X-Men title, and to have that happen in a Defenders issue that I've never read, yeah, that seemed weird. Is anybody interested in going back and finding that Defenders and reading it? I mean, not Marvel really. Limo. I would. Obviously, it was pretty significant to the X-Men universe, and I guess Get the sense that essentially what they did was they took a character that was kind of older in the universe, reverted him back to a baby, and then brought him back into the prime of his life. So that mm-hmm. was kind of... I think they did that so they could keep his World War II origin and not make him an old man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense from a comic book story yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. Stranger things that happened, it just seems kind of weird that we just got to go back to a Defenders issue to piece all yeah. together. I didn't really care about that. And you guys know that I've been an X-Men fan for a long time and after I read it I seem to recall like yeah I think there was some mention of this incident but I've never really tracked it down so yeah I'd like to defend it more but I kind of feel like I was in the same hovercraft as you guys (laughs) (laughs) what do you guys think of Myra in her track suity kind of thing she stepped up her game there huh (laughs) well once you go track (laughs) you do not go back back. Jared you got another high or low and I feel like I think I just shotgun them all out right at the back. I guess I owe the book a high. Cockrum, dude, oh, yeah. kills it. I mean, he's yeah. he's amazing. I guess I'll give a high to content page eight. Might be seven because of that double splash page. I'm not sure. It's a flashback with the baby scene. Eric the Red brought Magneto back. Magneto's like, yeah. And Eric the Red is like so chilled out. He's like, yeah, man. He's like <laughs> across legs and like slumped down in the chair. I love a villain who's just not all amped up all the time. So I'm giving Eric the Red a chill award. That's not a real thing, but man, he's super chill. <laughs> It's a real thing now. <laughs> I mean, look how chill he is. He's like, we're going to take over the world. And Arthur is like, yeah, man, you know, it's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> 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 We're going to give him the big Lebowski award. Yeah. <laughs> He's like really chill about this world domination thing. Uh, who, who needs to go? I lost track. Pick anybody. Uh, Ryan Daly. 
<laughs> I think I threw it to Delvin last time, so that's probably the right thing to do again this time. What do you got, Delvin? Hi. Seeds of a fight that continued for decades with the psych Xavier, uh, in that Xavier always had layers and kept things from Cyclops, and Cyclops never liked it, ever. Even though when Psych was the leader, he did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sure did. But he never, ever liked when Xavier hit stuff from him. So it's like he was already upset that Xavier was like, look, the X-Men are experiencing some trouble. Go over to Scotland immediately. And he's like, dude, no. And then he finally found a way to bring him over there, you know, to do this thing. And Scott was just like salty about this whole thing from the jump. Kind of that whole father-son dynamic thing. I thought that was a high because it is a repeated theme in the pages of X-Men. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, he wasn't all too sure about uh, having a mutant island dedicated to holding mutant prisoners. Yeah, I mean... Conducting experiments on them. It's one of those good ideas that can go horribly wrong. Like, for instance, maybe somebody comes in and changes Magneto from a baby to a man, and then Magneto breaks out and causes all sorts of chaos and heck, which is exactly what happened. And all that chaos and heck uh, unleashed Mutant X, who I don't know who that is. I don't even know either. I'm excited, though. (laughs) Yeah. I know who it is. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Madison tables have turned. (laughs) Because you get a couple different releases there. You have Mutant X, and then they talk about this bug-eyed person, too. Yeah. Okay. Is he more important than the Wisp? I think it's she. Okay. I'd say about the same level of irrelevance. Yeah, I think you saw her when we first started reading this in the giant size. She was one of the Animen, I think. Oh. Okay. There you go with that continuity, Jason. Yeah, what the hell's going on? <laughs> She was mentioned for a panel. Yeah, it's just, yeah, as uh, the last scene in X-Men 96. If you're going to capture them, where are you going to put these guys? So you got to have some place for mutants that you don't want out, right? Someone's got to keep an eye on them or at least contain them. Well, I think that that's kind of thing. It's complicated. There were no simple answers in the X-Men universe. Yeah, I do agree with you, Pat. They are not ordinary humans. So if you have to contain them, they can't be contained ordinarily, but you want to make sure that it's humanely yeah oh yeah yeah it's a mess it's a yeah. big, sticky freaking mess. Yeah. I don't know much about Star Jammers. In fact, I don't know anything at all, so I'm kind of interested in that part. And I didn't know who that guy was that got the, the flowing hair and he's got the bandana on. Oh, I know who he is. Me I too. know who he is, too. Me too. So it's not giving away anything, Pat. Is it Forge? His name is Corsair. Okay. Because uh, I'm kind of looking at is that Forge? And I'm like, oh, no, no that's not Forge. Nah. No, Corsair? Not Forge. Yeah, Corsair. Corsair. Okay. That's got me interested as well, too, to see where this story goes. Jared, with the art, really like that, especially that full splash page of Magneto, where yeah, he's just standing was... there and just Rawr! I like What that. does he like, Pat? Yeah, what's he doing? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Magneto! And he gives his big Magneto! It's me, Magneto! Alright, does anybody have any other final thoughts they want to... no idea what's going on. I've never actually given a higher low yet, and I've just answered questions. Well, Jason... Okay. Well, I I have a question for Jason, actually. Okay. I don't want to spoil it for Pat. I know about Corsair. Mm -hmm. Do we as the readers know about him at this point, or is that a reveal later? Later. That's a a later reveal, yeah. Okay. No further questions. See, now you get me more intrigued when you guys... (laughs) We're just teasing Pat now. I know, I know. And the thing is, I'm not reading ahead, because I'm reading as we go, so that's what makes it even worse. That makes it more fun, (laughs) man. Oh, well, yeah, but I know, I know. It's like, oh, I can read ahead and see what's going on, but, but I 
don't. So I kind of fight that itch. Jason, did you have a high or a low? Well, the big thing that I wanted to say is a high was in the realm of spectacle. This is the first battle between the new X-Men and Magneto. And I thought that it was really well done. It shows Magneto as his prime fighting mutant team that isn't prepared to fight him. And, and I like Cyclops figuring out what's going on and coming in kind of the last minute and able to not win the fight, but get his team out so that he can live to fight another day. I thought that was good. And all of this was just made better by Cockrum and the other artists that put the book together. I just thought the spectacle piece of this was really good. All right. Anybody have any other final thoughts on this? Anybody know how a magnetic field can throw a lightning bolt back at <laughs> Jared, you just let it happen. Even though you don't hit your girl, she okay. She, I just she good. <laughs> Same way a dinosaur gets gets cold out here, man. From the cold. <laughs> well, with that, let's go ahead and see who went the extra mile for this issue. We're gonna find out from Jason. Who's your extra mile? Well, I'm gonna do a preemptive strike against Delvin's Magneto and say it's Cyclops. Magneto at the end failed in his mission. His job was to divide and conquer, take out the main body of the X-Men team, and because uh, Cyclops was able to figure out what was going on and willing to go in there, make some hard calls and get the team out. They're living to fight another day. So Cyclops, he gets my extra mile. Delvin? Look at you, Jason. Mind reader, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm smiling because my extra mile is Cyclops. I used uh, this hashtag before when it comes to him, but hashtag Cyclops was right. He was dead on. He came in as like, yep, this whole thing stinks to me. And I think that this is a ruse. And I think that they are trying to go after Professor X. And even Professor X himself didn't see that because he's a terrible, terrible strategist. But Cyclops is not. And even like Wolverine, who at this time is completely freaking unlikable, was just like, you're a coward and you ran from a fight. It's like you absolutely should have ran from the fight because it mm-hmm. wasn't the main fight at all. Anyway, Magneto was playing with them. And Cyclops like, nope, mm we're not prepared for this fight. This is not advantageous. So Cyclops, he did the right things for the right reasons. What do you think, Jared? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I had to pick, I like the Cyclops choice. I really do. But just for variety's sake, I'll go to my B pick, which is Magneto. Just laying out fools like kitchen tile. That's it. <laughs> it's like, man, he just, I mean, the, it was it insane, like his abilities sort of making stuff up. I mean, I can get tossing Wolverine around with metal. They just said he had metal claws, by the way. I guess they haven't revealed the bones yet. And throwing Colossus around, but like the magnetic field can move lightning. Makes no sense, but whatever. And then like he dropped that metal trash on Nightcrawler by knowing where he was going to be. I don't know how he did that, but whatever. He put it together. He beat them down. If it hadn't been for a surprise attack by Cyclops, he would have won that day. So darn good show, Magneto. What do you think, Pat? Well, I think you just said it all. My B was going to be Magneto as well. And my top pick was going to be Cyclops. So all you guys. all had Cyclops at number one. (laughs) There was no other standout in this issue, unfortunately. Just who got their butt whooped the least by Magneto, I guess. (laughs) Maybe Eric the Red, you know. Hey, man. (laughs) Well, you know, I was just thinking about that, you know, because he's kind of the mastermind behind some of this right now. So, you know, he's got it laid back. He's like, smooth, man. I'm smooth. I know what's going to happen here. Still well, it's a clue about him, though. They tried to make a run with Banshee. They did this weird thing where Banshee was like, ha ha, Magneto, your powers can't affect me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they can. What? Yeah, yeah they I, did. <laughs> I, for a minute there, I was like, what? Is that a thing? Is he immune to his powers? And, and <laughs> no. let me also add, if you accept the explanation of Magneto deflecting Storm's lightning back to her, Storm is immune to weather effects. It wouldn't have hurt her. Yeah, that's true. But maybe that power wasn't established yet when it came to Storm. I don't know. Something about this issue made me feel like that Claremont, he was just hanging out at the offices one day and Cochran was like, you know X-Men's due tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> that thing had more threads than a cheap cardigan at the end of it <laughs> like what is going on oh it'll all be revealed it'll all give it time give it time that's what makes this story really fun and interesting let's go ahead and find out what we all rated this one so just as a rating reminder again it's a one through five one you hated it and five you really loved it and i'll let you fill out the rest in the middle <laughs> don't figure it out <laughs> Let's go ahead and see how Delvin rated this one. Three out of five. There was a lot of action, but I never really caught up with the story. So I see this is kind of setting up one of the biggest stories in X-Men history. So I'm, I'm clearly still turned on, but it's almost like to get to that point, they had to throw a whole bunch in this issue. So I'm interested to see what 105 is going to be like. Jason? A little bit higher. I'll say it's a four. I know that there's a lot that they packed in here, some of which wasn't adequately explained, but I really like the fight between the new X-Men team and Magneto, so that overcomes a lot of sins for me. So I'll give it a four. Pat, what do you think? I'm going to go with you as well, too. I'm giving it a four. I really enjoyed the battle, and I like some of the story building that's going on. And the artwork. Oh, man. The art in this is just fantastic. Jared? I agree with you on the art, but ultimately I'm going to agree with Delvin's thoughts. Give it a three. So Delvin and I are on Team Cool Dudes, I think. Oh! Team Cool Dudes! (laughs) You stole my Cool Dudes! (laughs) Oh, it's a ran off with our cool dude. Well, we're going to have to be two awesome guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess that leaves us at a standstill. We need to find out which team won. Is it two cool dudes with Jared and Delvin, or is it two awesome guys with Jason and Pat? Only you can make that decision out there in listener land, so please vote and vote often. (laughs) Well, I think with that, let's go ahead and put this issue to our rest. We'll get to a quick podcast promo break, and then we will be right back. Jeff and Merck present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol we got kids with powers we got villains with attitude we got superhero guests like all of them from the marvel universe we have thematically appropriate beer reviews we have good jokes and bad song parodies one stop for all your power pack pod pleasing procurements and we got alliteration find unpacking the power of power pack wherever fine podcasts are played costumes on Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. Now, we have social media likes, shares, and retweets from... A. Arturo A. Next up, Aaron Head Moss. Allison Harder's Austin Kuykendall. Bart Allen. Benjamin Guadamur. Big Easy 77. Brandon Sewer. Hey, it's one of my guys. I think it's Sweer, I believe. Well, Sweer going to move on to the next one. (laughs) 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 Good segue. Good one, Jerry. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Matt. I got the Pat Seal approval. Cave dog. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Next up is my buddy, Charles Atuk. Chris McCall. You don't have to lie, Craig. Big Dakota Greeno. David at Lion's Den CS. Eddie Weaving. Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Hendrix. Brightest day and blackest night. Green Lantern HG. Hal Jordan always follows the Green Lanterns. Ivan Chudley. Thanks for listening. Jay Bond. Jado of Pittsburgh. Thanks, Jado. James Charles Huntley. James Hoffmeyer. Jeffrey Dusex? I don't know. <laughs> do it. Do it now. Do it. Jeffrey, do it now. Well, we didn't get Morris, but we did get Jerome. <laughs> Jerome B. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Next ah! Next up is John D. Cole. Johnny Hardy. Then we have Juliana. Larry McKee. Let's talk Defenders. And I had it here and now I can't find it. It's lost in time. Then we have Mr. Jones and me. Nayman H. Idris. Nathan Wood. Patrick R. Carey. Pete Pingle. Robert Charles. Scott Berry. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Sergio Ricardo Lorenciano. Shadow Z455. Sherlock28. Riddle me this, riddle me that. It's Sherman Riddle. Then we have the real Super Sam. I kind of like the fake one. Yeah, you know. Tom Aschenbach. Danke schön, Tom Aschenbach. We have Virtual Aces. And then we'll wrap this up with William Cairns. Next, we have social media comments from, let's just keep the same order we're going in, guys. So, Pat, start us off. Here's one from Ivan Chudley. Ivan says, Stegron is cool. I get chills when I see him. I see what he did there. (laughs) (laughs) Great cover. I give it a four. Nice mix of Dino Lizard and Spidey Axe in a Christmas setting. Thumbs up. Great show. Long live the crusade. Read them all. Read them all. And read them all. Read them all. And he's a UK crusader. So very cool. We have somebody overseas. Yes. Wait. Yeah. I think yeah, we should get more shout outs. So uh, wherever you guys are at, give us a shout out, whether it's in the States here or uh, overseas. Love yes, to hey. know where everybody's from. Send us some spotted Awesome having mates from the UK. Ryan Daly said, Holiday Holocaust, huh? Bless Delvin for cutting the chase and saying exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) And I warned Ryan about that. I've been friends with Delvin for 20 years, and oftentimes he says what I was thinking, and I've never wanted to bless him for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't bless us. It just encourages us. We're going to do it anyway, but shouldn't be encouraged at any point. Since for whatever reason we didn't get a like or retweet from him, I'm very surprised. I'm going to read Chris at BTO and Batbucks. Let it roll! We have us a podcast now. <laughs> Chris says, I had read this when it came out. What I liked, noticed about this book was that Spidey's New York City had weather, i.e. snow in December, where other comics I read around then didn't seem to have appropriate weather for the time or the presumed area of the United States. And I agree with Chris on that. And I just kind of, you know, mentioned that is cool. It was just funny how it came up all of a sudden just for that issue. And then it just went away again. <laughs> It was like, winter! 
Christmas. All right, Done. <laughs> you know, and truth be told, Delvin, on this is we are recording this probably six hours after the first tweet for the last episode came out. So for Crusader Chronicles 22. So these are pretty early like shares and comments. So this really blows me away about how many likes, shares and comments that we did get within the few short hours here. So really appreciate yeah. the support, everyone. That yeah, is true. Thank you. We're, we're kind of moving like a well-oiled machine, like a spider slayer or something. Oh, man. <laughs> Speaking of moving along like a well-oiled machine, I'm going to pick out this comment from Auburn Elvis. Auburn Elvis says, Hey, baby, I have this one. I never got to issue before, so I never knew why these were loud dinosaurs running around New York. But they froze to death anyway, baby, so it's okay. <laughs> I actually know Auburn Elvis personally, and uh, spot on, Jason, spot on. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. I'm going to go make some peanut butter and banana sandwiches now. Stick Run's going to have a, a blue, blue, blue Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have a blue Christmas at the bottom of the river. I'm going to say this, and I know I've already had a turd. I'm going to talk over Jason. But we did get the answer to a burning question that Hal Jordan is indeed Green Lantern HG. Mm-hmm. Woo. Uh-huh. We suspected. Mm-hmm. I mentioned my buddy Sherman Riddle, who asked me, was this my podcast? I'm like, you know. No, this isn't my podcast, even though I am far and away the star of the show. Right, guys? Hello? Sure. <laughs> See? Enthusiastically, they're like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so, Delvin, we're going to have to have a talk about um, your role here. Oh, uh, can we do it offline? Yeah, we'll do it offline. I can do it live. <laughs> Sweet, so for now, Uh-oh. I'm the star. Me, me, start the show. <laughs> Delvin scream. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I told him, like, no, team effort. And he said he's going to try us out. So I, yeah. I hope to uh, hear some feedback from Sherman. And I thought it was really awesome that he even wants to give us a shot. A uh, shout. Shot? Shout? One Listen. of those. Yeah. Take a shot at giving us a shout. Yes, a shot. Absolutely. Tell him to try the filler. It's not bad here. He should. He should. <laughs> we make decent filler. We do. We're all, we're all about the filler. Cream filling. Thanks, everyone, for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's going to be the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a big thanks to Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason, where can they find you? You can find me at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram, and you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter. Delvin, how about you? You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Jerry. I am at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist, and you can also find me in Nassau, the Bahamas. That's where I'm going to be for the next week. Ooh. Well, by the time you hear this, I'll be back, so <laughs> don't try to rob my house. Note to self, rob Jared's house. <laughs> Go and get back that thing I borrowed to him that he's not giving back. Who took all my issues of Darkhawk? (laughs) (laughs) And now I have two of each issue of (laughs) Darkhawk. Where are you going to be, Pat? Where can they find you? Well, you can follow me on the Twitter at ChrisTatos01. 
You can also find me on the Instagram at ChrisTatos01. Come and find me out there and help me build up some following there as well. Where else can you find us on the internet as far as Longbox Crusade? You can find us on the YouTube now, Jared. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell them about that? Yes, we have a thing called the Doing It Live stream on YouTube once a month on a Sunday afternoon. We will get together on the YouTubes and we encourage everybody out there to join us and get in the chat because we're able to talk back to you live so we can have discussions about comics, games, music, movies, (laughs) all that stuff. I like talking about blah, blah, blah the most, but definitely join us. Back to you, Pat. Very cool. Delvin, I heard we're on Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Slowly building up a following there. What I do is, you know, just post a little bit of content and just try and interact with the community there. It's been uh, pretty positive so far, and I like that we are uh, growing there on the Instagram universe as well. By all means, give me a follow and a shout, and I'd love to talk with you. Very cool. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com, or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to breathe them all. Breathe them all. Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Oh, wait. Episode 23. I didn't click on that. And there's the script. I found it. I found the script. Yeah, I had to get up at 7 anyway because Julie needed me to drive her in for the bazaar. Well, that's how bizarre. Ding, 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 Shut up. You're making me crazy, Pat. <laughs> You're making me crazy. You're making me crazy. Every time I look around. Every time I look around. Every time I look around. See my face. <laughs> Our show's about the fun. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're fun. We're fun. Dude, we're we're fun. fun. And people like us. <laughs> I get robocalls from Doctor Doom. Yeah. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> it's me, Doom. I'm running for re-election. Maybe that's what I should do is like robocalls. <laughs> different. I get robocalls, Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Have you considered voting this year? <laughs> Our senator is more of a man than you'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I mean, when it comes to music, a something's considered classic when it's 25 years or older, which of course means now Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit is over that age, and I, I oh, kind of want to punch something in a rage, but yeah. That's the same. Levine's Rage Against the Machine is also. Uh, you know, with the lights on, it's less dangerous. <laughs> Here we are now. I Be like, hey, it used to be a really cool TV show that had more than numbers. I was thinking like Fall Guy. Fall Guy was great too. I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I don't see. I've gotten burned. I've been on fire for Sally Field and blown up for Rockdale Welch. But when I wind up in the hay, it's only hay. The hay, hay. Right, Delvin? Whatever. things to do today. I'm the unknown stop man who makes Eastwood look so fine. Time crunch. That's more Jared. I mean, excuse me, Jason. So I got all day for this. <laughs> I listen to you all day. Okay. Sweet. We still have Delvin's first appearance on. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, er, like at the start of this, at the start of this year, we were, we were supposed to be catching up on. Do you want to edit? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Oh, you set him off now. I was just simply I'm stating just a off. fact. I, I wasn't putting blame on anyone, Patronimus. I, wasn't I know, I know. But it's your fault. I know. Hey, Pat. Yes. Did you forget our letterer, Joseph Rosen? No, I he, he said it. We were just being idiots. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was you that talked over it. <laughs> Can I blame Jason anyway? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Damn it, Jason. <laughs> See what you did. I had a related joke uh, to that, Jared, that, excuse me, Jason, that I didn't say. And I was like, you know, Jared didn't like Willow, but he did like Stegron, you know, so he didn't like Willow the Wisp, but he liked Willow the Lisp. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Not as good as your minority reporter, but (laughs) (laughs) But good. I seriously wrote that, and I I cracked up laughing when I even typed it. Like, man, that's 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 gold. (laughs) Did you go? Did you go? Good one, Delvin. Good, good. (laughs) That's a hovercraft, Delvin. To travel to Moira McTaggart. Wait, wait, a a what? I thought they were just hanging out by the docks. Yes. Having a conversation. You're trying to figure out how they got to the island. How did they get to the island? <laughs> it's a they mystery. Crossed, they what crossed was it the... that blew up on that double side splash page? I'm not sure. <laughs> they used a series of rings to get to the island. Oh, now that cover <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> That's what the ring's for. And let's not forget our Saturday matinee theater podcast that we do. Jer- uh, Jason, can you tell us a little bit about that? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Script-free Jason's always a dangerous place. 